2: Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross, and Joe. Took everything Milton Keynes dons. Oh Jones. I know we're all been pretty busy today. And it's been a bit hectic leading up to this recording, but we're here now. Um, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah,
3: after
2: a busy morning, um, I'm doing well, thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah, busy. I'll say that last night to watch uh, the NFL. Miami Dolphins got the win, get in. Um, still in the playoff home, which is nice. Um, but I, I've definitely feeling it today, I'm absolutely knackered. Um, Jerry, I'm sure you got a lot more sleep than me last night. Um, but how are you doing?
4: Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Just just sleeping off the food coma from Boxing Day, really. Yeah, I and, imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to just uh, chill out for a bit. And it's always nice when uh, the football uh, uh, obliges. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, it was nice when a plan comes together. Hey, uh, me and Ross did a fair bit on the old um, on for Rovers for Gascast, which you can still listen to, by the way. And for our own pod, for the first ever opposition overview. And um, yeah, our analysis pretty much paid off. You know, We expected Rovers to sit back, and they did. And we took the full advantage of that. But before the match even kicked off on a Saturday, there was so much news that came out in like a 30-minute time span um, regarding all sorts of players Of course, we had players falling ill, um, you know, players who were meant to be starting having to leave straight away because they were showing uh, illness symptoms. You got players getting injured in training we didn't know about. And then, of course, we had um, Carl Morris news come out that he's probably off to a championship club permanently, which is very disappointing. But I mean, you can imagine what we were all thinking leading up to the game, you know, quite a few popular um, MK accounts, uh, including ourselves, were quite, we're pretty nervous heading into this one. Um, and it could have longer term issues for sure, especially with people like Kaz and, Matty, and whilst we did get the three points um, in the game on Saturday, it uh, could have some issues for us in the long term. Um Ross, what were your kind of thoughts leading up to the game of when you heard that, you know, Kaz was injured, uh, Carlton's probably leaving uh, to join a championship club?
3: Yeah, it was it was a strange one because of, um, obviously, Kusumu's been such a big factor in our season so far and we're starting to really see the uh, professional side and um, the plays turn into. And to be completely honest, you shouldn't be at this level, but... Um, it was always He was always going to be a big miss, him and Matty. But um, as for the Colton Morris, it was a bit of a mixed one because of. at the end of the day, I always wanted him to do well. And um, personally, this season, I feel like he's come on as a player. And um, at the end of the day, I think um, because he wasn't our player, he was it was uh, Norwich's option. So it wasn't ever our decision. It was only the case of offering him a contract. And if he accepts, he accepts. But as Russ said, it's the difference between the wages and we can't compete at with the championship clubs at the moment. And um, I think it just shows um, in this current climate of coronavirus, um, it shows where League One clubs stand um, comparing to championship. But um, overall, I do feel like he's replaceable and like um, Healy was, um, but I wish him all the best going forward.
2: Yeah, he's, as you said, Ross, he's really come on uh, his second spell here. And, you know, Russell sort of mentioned, you know, how transparent Norwich have been with the whole, you know, we're, look, we're looking to sell him, things like that. And, you know, he, they wanted us to keep him ultimately, but if the Rafa came along, then they were all going to take it. And by the sound of it, um, it's not just uh, bandsley he or the club that are looking at him, it's several other clubs as well, so... Yeah, it's, it's a shame to lose Carlton, um, but as we all said, you know, he's been, he's a, a pure example of this process working well and him excelling in it has gotten this move and obviously with, with certain news that we've heard, um, he's going to be, um, well, doing well in Barnsley, that's for sure, along with a uh, fellow Callum Britton, who's, of course, a player that we know all too well. Um, Joe, what were your kind of thoughts pre-match of all this yeah, news coming out regarding injuries, players being ill and, of course, Carlton.
4: Yeah, it's, it's um, a real shame about a couple of, I mean, especially you've got Agard just starting to come back into things. He's injured, Kasumu in training. Um, also, Warren Ahura gets injured in, during the game. So we hope that's not too serious. Um, so, yeah, we are, it's starting to look a bit thin. But I think that the people that came in played well. And um, I just want to mention with Carlton as well, that I saw, saw a few comments just a bit quite negative towards Carlton Morris. And I don't really understand that because of uh, Barnsley have bid for him, you know, that, that he's not just signing on a free or whatever. And um, uh, he's, he, you know, he's done more than enough for us. And he's absolutely bought into everything Russ has done. He chose to leave promotion chasing Rotherham to join us in the relegation zone. And, you know, uh, a promotion from League One looks so much better on your CV than a relegation does. And, um, you know, if if he's getting a championship offer and it's, you know, a substantial contract or whatever, you know, we can't begrudge him that. And at the end of the day, he isn't our player. And I'm sure, I think Russ said, I'm sure that if we could get somewhere near it, then, then he probably would be still sat here, you know, next season. But um, yeah, it, it's a real shame. Um, and But, yeah, I, I, I feel that, you know, we, we can't begrudge him it.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if, if that's the type of player we're bringing through, whilst this, you know, Martin's here and the whole coach team are here, then, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a lot more Carter Morris's I think, coming through our door and maybe even some more leaving it. Uh, but that's just part of what's trying to be installed at the club and we can't really begrudge that. And, yeah, we wish, well, we wish, we wish uh, uh, Carlton all the best. And, um, of course, we'll be keeping an eye on him as we are with uh, Callum Bretton at Barnsley also. And, um, yeah, hopefully, if he ever plays this, since, again, he won't score too many goals against us. But, um, yeah, hopefully he smashes it up in Barnsley or up in the Championship, wherever he may go. So, on to the actual game it happened on Saturday. Um, of course, poor manager Paul Tisdale brought us to the Rovers' side to the Stadium K. And um our ball was in full effect, I think, and um, we took care of them pretty comfortably, in my opinion. Um, of course, won the game 2-0, um, actually had a perfect XG of two. So, you know, whilst we had quite a few chances also, in terms of XG-wise, we actually performed exactly as we should have done, which is, I think, the first time this season, actually, which is cause quite a rarity. And um, despite reserves not scoring a goal, they also they had a 1.1 XG, so it's clear that they, you know, definitely had great chances. And as we saw from the start of the second half, you know, Andrew Fisher made some pretty incredible saves to keep them out and uh, keeps his clean sheet intact. But for me personally, gent's I thought, I think we had, if you include the long-term injuries, 12 absent first-team plays for this game. And with that taken into account, I think it's one of our better performances this season. You know, we took advantage of Rovers' in my opinion, a slugginess in the first half. They didn't have a single shot, I believe, and just let us play football. And um, luckily, uh, I won the shot from Bengal we made it count. And um, after that, you know, they obviously got um, a rocket at the Bums from Tisdale and they came out, had a few chances. As I mentioned, Fisher kept them out. And then after that, we kind of just got back in control of the game again. And I felt it was a really, really impressive performance for me. I felt, you know, Dan Harvey coming back at left wing back, he was so crucial. And he's really starting to make his mark on the team now, in my opinion. And the same group of members, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, but Joe, why don't you give us your general uh, assumption of how Saturday went for you and how the three points went down?
4: Yeah, I think you know it was it, just first of all the lineup was quite interesting. I thought because um, it, it was instead of Carlton Morris, we would literally just had another midfielder. And I think that really helped us, actually, just enable, being able to control the ball. And it was really interesting. So, obviously, it was um, Fraser who was not quite up top with Jerome, but just, just playing off Jerome. So, we, you know, Jerome wasn't just isolated. And I felt that, that that worked quite well. I feel that we really did have control. When you have Lass, Sermon and Gladwin and Fraser all in the midfield, you know, you get, you've you got players that can pass the ball You've got players that are comfortable on the ball, and I feel that really helped us in the first half, um, where we actually we had seventy percent possession in the first half, and we didn't ha- we didn't concede a single shot. Um, I think Russ actually mentioned that for all the chances we did have in the first half, because there was quite a few, it was quite annoying that it took a twenty-five-yard absolute <laughs> rocket to, to to take the lead. And but but the thing is, you know, we haven't been, and we'll come back to it a little bit later on. I feel, but we haven't been taking these chances and a lot of the time they've been falling to potentially the people that you don't want them to fall to. Um, And I think Dan Harvey, he he had a fantastic game, as you mentioned. Um, He he had four key passes. So that's four passes that led to a shot um, from a player. Um, There's numerous cutbacks where, again, we, you know, it's, it's either maybe just players just quite aren't, aren't quite on the same wavelength. It's either just in front or just behind or just cleared away. Um, and I feel that he was he was got up and down that that wing really well. And I feel he also um was was good defensively, solid defensively. There was nothing, it wasn't as if we were being counter-attacked. And I think that uh, that goes for both sides of um, the wing back. So I, I feel that we weren't really counter-attacked at all. And at no t- point was I really worried uh in the game. And I think that's just testament again to if we score, we've scored, gone ahead five times this season. We've won five games in the league. And it just shows the actual, the, the complete control that Russell Martin has instilled in, in this team, the ability to, to kill games off. And, a lot you know, the second half, it wasn't amazing, but we got a goal at a great time. And from then onwards, you know, it, it wasn't as if there was a, a last 20 minutes backs against the wall barrage from Bristol Rovers. We just controlled the game, passed it around. And we actually created a few more chances of our own on the break, which is exactly what you need. I feel um, Sermon and Jerome, <coughs> Sermon and fan. I, mean, I, um, I thought they complemented each other really well. I feel Sermon is just, it was just so crucial in just, just keeping the ball and just rotating the ball around. He had um, 63 successful passes, which was a 91.3 percentage Um and, you know, for you, you'd expect that for maybe a centre-back who's passing it, passing it, you know, backward, not backwards or sideways, but, you know, they're passing it um, around the back. And it's, it, for a midfielder to have numbers like that is quite something at this level. And it just shows how, um, how, how good he is at just, just maintaining the possession, allowing us to get back into our structure and rebuild for the next attack. And I thought Sorensen, it was different, and Russ mentioned it in his press conference, it was a different kind of performance from Sorensen but it was, you know, using that energy and using the legs using his, you know, young legs and at the end of the game we couldn't even see his number on the back of his shirt for all the mud that was on there. Um, but overall, yeah, really pleased. And when it came to it, Jerome, when he needed to show that bit of quality, he played an absolute peach of a ball through to Fraser and Fraser just, you know, you're backing when he's in those positions. So Really happy, and you know, as well as having the fourteen shots in the box um, against Bristol Rovers, you know, the fact that we conceded hardly any chances is just, you know, it was just a really all-round solid display, and really pleased with it.
2: Yeah, um, you mentioned Lasser, and I think he's really coming to his own, isn't he, in this squad now? Um, you know, with the Kaz injury, of course, that door kind of closed for him, but another one opened again for Lasser, and he's to take every tr- opportunity he's getting at the moment, and really the second half of the season could be huge for him, especially in terms of, you know, whether that's um, here at Milton Keynes or maybe even Stoke City when he heads back at the end of the season to really, you know, get into that championship starting eleven and really push on there. Yeah, you mentioned about, um, you know, Br- Bristol do not really pre- are, like, providing any threat on, especially on the counter-attack, Joe, and I kind of felt the same. I mentioned in our opposition preview, or overview, sorry, how the The front three of Hanlon, McCormick, and Nicholson, I was really worried about because they, as Kaz mentioned, they're quite nippy players. They're quite good on the ball, and they were they were fitter and firing, quite frankly, before their little break because due to the COVID outbreak in their squad. Um, Ross, did you? you I know you'd the preview with me myself, but did you have that that sort of same feeling that Joe did in terms of they didn't really execute their game plan well enough?
3: Um. I don't think it's about executing the game plan. I think it just shows um, how Tisdale plays in a sense of his philosophy. He's, um, he, like, he likes to work on the basics and he, he works from them as such. So um, instead of scoring the goal in the first one, he'd rather um, defend it than build on what you can from there. But I just feel like um, going into the game, as you say, Liam, I was, I was disappointed in Bristol's attack but I think, um, I think we made them look negative and bad in the sense of um, Sermon just dictating the tempo and the flow of the game. And as you say, no team in this league um, are going to press us for 45 minutes. And I didn't see that from Bristol from minute one. So I think it maybe it was down to them not training the week before and they only had that one training session. Maybe that's had an impact, but we'll never know. But... Um, I think it just shows, like, because of the players could have easily walked into that game thinking, oh, we're going to win this 5-6-0 because they haven't trained. But no, they. I, I don't think I saw one player on that pitch who had a bad performance. And um, maybe maybe Tisdale was a bit too negative in the how he started the team. But again, I'm not complaining, so we came away with the result. But um, I just wanted to have a quick question for you two boys, in the sense of... Against these teams who sit deep, is this three, four, one, one system a potential new system which we could play against them?
2: I, for me personally, I would need to see it again. Um, obviously it's a very, it's a very short sample. Um, and we know from Tisdale's teams, it's it's a very unique team to put up against. And you won't often find a team that Tina does that every week in terms of the sitting back and not really providing much. And I feel these next two games at Swindon and Rochdale, they're not going to do that in my opinion, unless they really adapt their style and completely change what they've been doing the past months and months on end. Um, I think one thing I did really like with the system is how Fraser and Gladwin were used. Uh, of course, they got the two goals. It you know kind of goes without saying, but you know, we were crying out for these two to start together in midfield months ago, and they really provided that creative spark going forward and they kind of opened up Bristol Rovers' uh, defence, who (laughs) just didn't want to come out their own half. Um, So, yeah, I think for me, yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously, when you win a game 2-0 and dominate that much, of course it's an option. Um, But I want to see it a bit more against tougher opposition than Bristol Rovers to see, oh, okay, that's into that going forward.
4: Yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, I feel you do you are able to control the possession a bit better. But I think one thing to note was the fact that Bristol Rovers they they played four at the back. So I think a lot of the times when we have struggled against deep playing teams, they have actually been playing five at the back. And um, I watched Tiss's interview, and he said he didn't tell the players to drop off, so he's not sure what actually you know was going was going on. And he and I think a lot of the spaces were mainly due to the shape of the team rather than the fact that they dropped off so much. Um, but it, it yeah, I mean, because when they did come onto a second half as well, we were able to then create chances on the counter attack. Um, but it's certainly an interesting formation. Um, uh, it, it did, it did give us a bit more control. Um, uh, but I mean, Jerome did look isolated at times, but when he, when the chances did come, you know, like I said, he did show that moment of quality. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, that. But it, I definitely, I wouldn't mind seeing it again, if need be.
2: I mean, there's an argument to say, you know, um, more than when rather than if now, with uh, Morris moving um, to a different club. Um, this could be a system we see more often because until we get maybe that replacement in, which you'd imagine we'd be looking for, um, obviously we don't know that for sure, um, maybe we do see Fraser more advanced in that, more traditional 10 role and we see a Gladwin being that box to box midfielder that we know he can be. And of course he showed yesterday that he can be that. So maybe if we don't well if maybe if we don't get that striker that we are looking for, that maybe as you said Ralph maybe this 3-4-1-1 is something that we could see more in the future.
3: Also something I noticed was we never looked like conceding in that first 20 minutes. So we I think it was more more of the uh, guess or, or the assumption of when are we going to score our goal. It was never, when are we going to concede?
2: Yeah, and I think, well, you mentioned we never know regarding the whole training situation with Bristol Rovers, but we know from speaking to Kaz that they had a max, what, two days of training? And after not playing for 10 days, that's just not enough time. And I think their approach, I know I noticed him, as you said, Joe, didn't direct them to sit back, but I think they just got a bit intimidated by the whole situation. You know, us dominating the ball. Um, passing it around everywhere creating chances they just went up for the task the first half and it took a I'm assuming a really bold team talk from Tearsdale to really get them you know, back into the groove and they actually created a few chances and of course Andrew Fisher uh, stopped all of those I, th- I think as well just just quickly on
4: Bristol Rose you just mentioned about how when they did actually get the ball they didn't have a Westbrook or um, an Otsuma we, just, we briefly I, I listened back to the previews and you mentioned them you know, they didn't really seem to have that creative player that could actually turn, you know, the midfield and put, put like, transition into attack. And I feel that, yeah, that's why a lot of the time it was Hanlon, who, who looked lively, but just didn't actually do anything. And I feel he just maybe wasn't quite helped out by some of those around him.
2: Yeah, so as Kaz was saying, Westbrook was one of the better players in the Ghana, And for some reason, he's just not, he's not liked him. It is, I don't know why, Um As you said, it's clear that he's one of their better players and for some reason he's not playing. Um, But maybe that performance will um, change his opinions on a few players because they weren't great, to be honest. And if they keep playing like that, they won't be looking at the table anytime soon, in my opinion.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first.
2: So that's um, that's Saturday, Saturday kind of covered really, um, but we've got two games to preview this episode as we've got a few other episodes to record and we wanted to make sure we didn't miss out on any games turned turn to previews, so we're covering two in this episode and of course we're starting with the game against Swindon uh, on Tuesday evening and um, Joe, I believe you've previewed this game, so take it away.
4: Yes, Swindon. They've had um, they've not had a great start to the season at all. But I mean, but I, th- I think that that it's not a surprise that they haven't had a great start to the season. And I don't think there's, I don't think you can really blame them. They've had a lot of things sort of going against them so far this season. Um, they lost Richie Wellens, their manager to Salford, and a lot of their key players they lost in the summer. Um, that that really helped them get that promotion. The likes of Jerry Yates now at Blackpool. Owen Doyle now at Bolton, and it, you know when, when you're getting get, get promoted and you're so um, you know you, you've got a certain style of play and I think we saw it when we went up to the Championship. You know, you we were reliant on people like Delhi Alley, um, on Benicafobia, and Will Grigg, and when we didn't have them in the Championship, we you know in the next level above, we really did suffer for it. Um, but they, so um, Rich Wellens, he, he wasn't sacked he actually left to go to Salford. And um, John Sheridan has come in to probably manage what is probably is about 45th different football league club. Um, and he, he, John Sheridan, he's well known for almost firefighting and just getting teams to the end. And I believe he's on a month by month contract, which kind of shows you how what the situation is kind of at the moment. Um, and I, he's won a couple of games, but since then, they've got no win in five. They've got uh, the no clean sheet in seven and they've conceded first in five out of um, the last seven games. Um, they're, current, they're not bottom of the table. though. they currently sit 22nd after winning five games, drawing two and uh, losing 12. Um, they've conceded the most goals in the league this season on 37. and uh, But they, have, they are scoring goals as well. They've scored 24 goals. So that's by no means the worst in the league. Um, Swindon—they're a funny team. Under Richie Wellens, they played a really great, expansive football. Um, they got the ball into the box a lot, and a player like Owen Doyle—he absolutely thrives off things off, um, off off football like that. And um, you know, th- th- the same principles—you can see you can see bits and pieces of it in this current Swindon team, uh, this much changed Swindon team. They've—they uh, do like to pass it around, and they do like to use the width as well. Um, but they've also got a couple of other dimensions to their game. They've actually scored the fourth most set-piece goals um, in the league. So, that is an area where, you know, just no silly fouls, just being alert from corners. Um, but also, um, like as we saw against Accrington, we highlighted their threat in the air and from wide. And it, 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 both of their goals came from crosses. Um, so, it's just something we need to be aware of. Um and they've also got with some of the personnel and their team, they're not afraid to also mix it up and go long, as well. And they do have the ability to do that. With um, they've got um, an Arsenal youngster who I think Ross is going to mention a bit more at the base of midfield, called Matt Smith, who um, Swindon fans are absolutely absolutely think scolden. Um, and uh, they've also got Brett Pittman up front, ex Premier League. Um, he's uh, I think he was last at either Ipswich or Portsmouth, and um, you know he may be getting on a bit, but he. If, if you create chances, he's the sort of striker that it doesn't, you know, he will score them. He's not, he may not have, have the legs anymore, but if you get the ball into the box, um, he'll finish them off. And that's shown by only um, five starts. He's scored three goals, which, you know, is not bad at all. Um, overall, I think it'll be an interesting game. They play a 4-3-3. Um, I wouldn't be surprised against, you know, because we've seen a lot of teams this season switch it up to maybe a 3 or a 5 at the back. Um. But it's going to be, it is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be quite an open game. I think there will be chances for both teams. Um, but Swindon, they do have the players that can hurt us. They've got people like Anthony Grant, um, who sits at that base of midfield, and he's an experienced head. And so, he, he, you know, he, he, he could turn it on. And you've got um, Jack Payne, who's someone who I was really impressed with um, last season at Lincoln. Is it's playing that number ten role, quite small, uh, really tricky, and again, you know, maybe what Bristol Rovers lacked in having someone to create chances on the counter attack, maybe this could be a, a potential avenue for for Swindon. Um, so overall, I think I think we should have enough to beat them. There are plenty of holes in this Swindon team, but by no means are they not without their threats, especially from out wide and from set pieces.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for that, Joe. Uh, one thing I will add to what you were saying is about, you know, Swindon typically, from what I've seen anyway, like to keep the ball in half, but like us maybe where they like to take control of the game. And, you know, we've seen with some teams in the past that have played us how they do like to do this and they've adapted their approach. But when they've often done this, they've always had individual errors and they've always, they've always been very prevalent in each game they've played. So... I think for us to get anything out of this game, it's gonna be really pivotal to have a high press be like Plymouth did to us maybe, in terms of putting them under pressure, not get not letting them get any comfortable in the game and you know, as you mentioned with players like Jack Payne, who we all know is a quality player regardless of what team he's at and what level he's at. You know, it just made little, 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 little like, niggly fouls and things like that, with players like maybe Lassa could do if Cass is out, which looks like he is. Um and yeah, I say just don't make them comfortable. You know, we're are the road team. We shouldn't be letting them pass the ball about and try and play their game. We should be, in my opinion, take trying to take a hold of ourselves and reset really our dominance, which we have done in previous away games this season. Like, like Sunderland and Charlton. Um, Joe, you mentioned that Ross has got a few players to speak about in terms of ones to watch. So uh, Ross, I'll let you take it away.
3: Yeah, Joe mentioned about uh, Matthew Smith. He's actually someone um, I believe Martin, the uh, the MK Way, friend of ours. Um, he actually mentioned on uh, um, he asked a he tweeted out, sorry, um, a few youngsters to keep an eye on throughout the season. And I actually recommended Matt, uh, Matt Smith um, because I've I've seen um, clips of him um, for the Arsenal um, setup from the Arsenal setup, and he actually sits in that mid uh, middle of that midfield. And I've seen uh, Swindon, he's, he's so key going forward because he averages nearly two, pa- two key passes a game. So if Swindon are going to get anything from this game, it's going to be through Smith. It's be interesting to see how um, Sermon and Lass um, control him as a player. But also, he's got the defensive side to him. He's got the 1.5 uh, interceptions. He's averaging two tackles a match. So he's not afraid to do the uh, dirty work either. So it be interesting to see how we uh we field against him. But um someone else I wanted to mention was Tyler Smith, the young lad up front. Um he's got seven goals this season. Um and I just feel like um it's gonna be a key matchup between him and uh Pio, because of if he has any success, um nine times out of ten he puts him in the back of the net. So if he does get the ch- if he does get chances, um he'll punish us. And uh, I'm hoping um, if we get the first goal, we can control that and um, get a result out of the game going
2: forward. Yeah, it's going to be definitely an interesting game. I feel I don't think either teams sort of want to be sitting back and backing down and things like that. They're going to try and set their dominance on it, in my opinion. And you know, Swindon's games have been having goals in them and I would not be surprised to see a lot of goals in this one. Obviously, we don't not with the predictive start elevens because with all the players being out and it's just a massive grey area at the moment. We don't know who's available really. Um, But two players who maybe could be available um, after, where if they recover from their illnesses, is Steve Walker and Sorinola. Um, You know, Russ mentioned how Sorinola was meant to start on Saturday, um, but of course he couldn't because he had his illness. so I pass it over to you, to Gents. Do you think uh, Matty comes straight back in for Dan Harvey after his performance on Saturday if he is fit and available? I believe um,
4: what what Russ um, what Russ actually said was that um, it was actually Regan he was going to be starting for. So it would have been Sorinola on the right um, of right um, wing back because um, uh, Russ actually mentioned Harvey was going to start anyway, which I'm, I'm pleased about because. Um, one thing I was going to mention about the game, um, which we, we just didn't have time for, which was that um, nearly a quarter of our shots fell to Regan Paul, and they were good shots, good chances as well. And I just feel, you know, often, more often than not, you're get we getting, we're getting these great chances, and it's good that these fullbacks are pushing on. But it just shows that, well, they're fullbacks at the end of the day, aren't they? You know, they're you, you ideally you want. If half of them fall to Cameron Jerome, I think the scoreline looks a little bit different on um, on Saturday. But yeah, just just briefly wanted to mention that. Um, I think Sorinola on the left, he's been solid, and we've always said this, but we it just, it's just we just want to see that extra that extra product from him. And I wonder maybe whether being on the right would help him, especially when you've got someone as attacking as as Harvey down the other side. Um, and I, thought, I did think Regan Paul was defensively excellent, actually, against Bristol Rovers and really, really did well to stop counter-attacks. So, you know, I, I think, if anything, Regan Paul's maybe maybe earned himself another game in that role. But then again, with games coming up thick and fast, I wouldn't mind seeing Soren at right back. In terms of Steve Walker, I think the player that he would maybe come in for is probably Gladwin, more just because, you know, Gladwin, he's... he's He's, he's not long off. I don't think he's played many 90 minutes. You just don't want to risk it. And also, with Steve Walker, he can almost play a similar role to what Fraser did in the fact that he does drop off and receive the ball a little bit. And I feel that it's 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 not going to be the same, obviously, as what Fraser did. But I feel that Steve Walker does have that ability to be able to drop off and receive the ball. Um, I could see it happening. Personally, I'd, I'd like to see pretty much the exact same team as as the, the weekend, but I think it's going to be probably um, either Williams or Cargill coming in for O'Hora. Um But yeah, I, I I could see either one of them starting and I wouldn't mind.
2: Yeah, I must misinterpreted what Ross said then regarding alf uh, Matty. Um, I think, if anything, him paint right bring back makes it more interesting to me. Um, he's how right-footed. Good... <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yeah, that was obviously a big perk of that, but Obviously, with Regan bobbing up for 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 much, and he said, Joe, like, a quarter of the shots he had yesterday, obviously, uh, Matty can't really offer what Regan does attacking-wise. So, I meant... Matty has scored goals, though. Yeah, he has, yeah.
4: That's the kind of frustrating thing, is that we see it in flashes. It's just, you know, you want to see Matty take some risks. You just want to see him put it in first time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's a yin and yang thing, isn't it? I mentioned how I wanted maybe to see Willow and um, Dan Harvey as the two wing backs, because, you know, Willow, whilst he does attack, he's a bit more defensively minded, whereas uh, obviously Dan Harvey's complete opposite. Um, so maybe, maybe we do see that more yin and yang approach over these next two games. If of course all players are fit and we have that a luxury to do that. Um, Ross, what are your kind of thoughts on, you know, the Matty, well, Matty versus Regan now, I suppose. And, um, you know, maybe Steve Walker coming into the team as
3: well. Yeah, um, it's a bit strange for the Paul situation. So I felt Paul um, more than deserves a place in the next matchday squad because of he actually drawing away his man in the lead up to the Gladwin goal. So it's not always on the ball what Paul does. It's it's off the ball as well. And um, as Gladwin said, he wouldn't have been able to have that shot if it weren't for Paul dragging his man away. So Going forward, he also adds that different side to the game. So, does Matty deserve a, a spot at right-back? Probably not for the next game, but if the chance is there, he's got to take it with both hands and uh, play a man-of-the-match performance. of so Regan was up there yesterday for my, my man-of-the-match because he was getting into so many dangerous positions. And um, as Joe said, if Jerome was on the end of them, it would have been a different scoreline. So, going forward, I think... Um, I feel like we need to have a consistent run out of games with Paul and Harvey because of, from the glimpses we've seen, they are two very good players on their day. So, yeah, give him a run of game time. And as for Steve Walker, well, he's a young lad, so there's always going to be massive pressure for, for us to replace him Jerome. But um, I, as Joe said, I don't see him as an out-and-out out striker. I see him as like a creative midfielder as such. And I feel like he's more effective in that because he creates... Um, and he's, as well as his um all work as well um I feel like he can be really dangerous in that final third but I feel like um we should stick with the same lineup going into the next game if Steve Walker and Sorinola are available
2: yeah I think it'll just be nice to um name a 418 I think because uh, obviously we didn't have a full bench uh, for Saturday um and you know, a few players like Lewis Johnson got their chance so Full debut for him, so congratulations. Yeah,
4: well him. done to him, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, it looks all right, to be fair. Obviously, one for the future, so no point in analysing the performance too much. 16
4: as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So young, that.
2: yeah. We'll keep that one quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the next one. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I do I do, I do agree with you to, you, your two gents thoughts on the whole you wing-back know, situation. Um, but I do think, obviously, with, the, with how quickly the features are coming, especially these next two, uh, Matty's going to get his chance, it's just whether he takes it or not I think, and it's the same with Steve So, uh, one fixture down one, one to go, um, I'm previewing Rochdale, um, obviously we're shot sure if it's going ahead or not um, Rochdale had their game postponed last uh, yesterday I should say, sorry um, regarding I believe they are away um, but yeah, it got postponed and so they haven't played in a little while uh, obviously they'll play midweek as well Um, But regardless, um, here's a little breakdown on Rochdale. So currently they sit 19th in League One on 19 points. And this is as of the 27th of December. Um, Home table wise, they're actually 23rd. So the second worst home team in the league, uh, collecting seven points from nine games. This is only worsened by uh, Shrewsbury Town, who, of course, under new management now. Um, Top goal scorer wise, Matthew Lund is the top goal scorer of six goals. Um, you know, he's kind of stepped up in the absence of, well, mostly absence anyway, of big money signing Humphreys from Southend. Um, But since um, Humphreys has returned, uh, the manager Barry Murphy has uh, adopted this 4-4-2 formation, which has actually seen them score a lot of goals, but it's also seen them concede quite a bit as well. Um, just an example of that, four out of the last five games, has seen over four goals. So whilst whilst they can score quite a lot, which we saw they beat um, Wigan 5-0, they can also concede a lot, which we've seen quite a lot of these last few games recently as well. Um, I feel from what we've got, we can analyse from Rochdale, from what we've seen this 4-4-2, is that they're still adapting to it ultimately. And their fullbacks, especially, are highlighted as areas to exploit from what we've sort of studied. Um, you know, and um, with how well Harvey um, and whether it is, of course, Regan or Matty and their right wing back role, uh, I feel that could be a real key to this game in terms of it creating chances. Um, watching back a few highlights from the Sunderland game, for example, um, which is uh, end of November, I believe. You know, we saw both their goals come from wing back situations, simple crosses into the box. And I feel that's a really, we can exploit, especially with our talent on that side of the field. Um, and in general, I think for me, this team isn't really made up of stars. You know, Ross is going to mention a few people who he thinks could change the game. Obviously, I've mentioned Lund and I'd, I'd like to think Humphreys is one as well um, since his return. You know, he's been, I think he's got the highest rating since his return, according to soap score of 7.25 average rating per game. So he's a, he's a key difference maker. Um, and of course, he was linked to perhaps joining uh, the Dons recently. But whilst it isn't a team full of stars, so it's a hard-working one that can execute a game plan. it's um, not consistent enough, and I reckon they'll try and press us early and um, maybe sit back for a rest. You know they're not afraid to hit long ball. They've got two pretty big strikers up front who are going to want to try and bully players like Keo and if he's playing O'Hora. Um, and ultimately, I think it could be quite a frustrating one for us. You know, it could be one where we're passing it around a bit, trying to find an opening relying on upping backs to create chances and you know, it, it could be a typical game where it goes against the trends, you know, we only score the one goal and we're having to have our backs against the wall and uh, see how it goes. Um Ross, why don't you take us through what you were thinking in terms of uh, ones to watch for the Rochdale game? So
3: you mentioned about uh, Matthew Lund, the 30-year-old. um I think it everything goes through him um, in this Rochdale side. But also, I just wanted to highlight in the uh, centre-back center position, uh, O'Connell um, against Gilliam um, their previous game. Um, they were going quite long, and that's just a Steve Evans' side. And O'Connell actually won eight out of nine aerial duels. So if we are going to win this, we've got to um, keep the ball to the floor and uh, just play the, our usual stuff instead of, try and go for the long ball. I know Russ doesn't like that long ball. I don't think he'll go long in this in so, this sort of game. But at corners especially, O'Connell is the uh, key figure in that back line. So if we are going to have any joy, we've got to start uh, targeting the other two centre-halves. But um, I, I do think feel like uh, the key battle of him versus Rome in the match um, will be vital rose to exploit. But Going forward, I feel like this this game suits Fraser to a T. I feel like he's going to have space in that number 10 position if we do stick to the uh, system against Bristol. I feel like he will have space and um, he will be very dangerous going into that final third. But I feel like on paper, we've got far too much for this Rochdale side. And um, I'm sorry, if we can't get anything out of Rochdale, um, it's quite worrying times.
2: Yeah, as, you know, as we kind of said, they're not a team full of talented players, in my opinion, but I do feel on their day they could cause us issues. I know, Oh, any, know, this,
3: any team could in this league.
2: Uh, yeah, that's a very fair point in League One. You know, it's, it's a fairly open league. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe, what are your thoughts on, you know, Ross mentioned about it could be a day for Scott Fraser. Um, are you in agreement with that?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think one thing to note is that um, so they've played with this 4-4-2 system. They've played seven games with it. They've um, they've played seven, scored 13, conceded 14. They've only won two games with it. And that was a 5-0 win and a 4-0 win. Um, they've only won- The two they've won were against Wigan and the other one was against Plymouth. That was a 4-0 and a 5-0, both away from home. So apart from that, in five games, they've only actually scored four goals playing this system and conceded and in five games they've conceded 14 playing this system so it just goes to show it either works really well for them or it really doesn't and they've picked up quite a few good results with it but there's a few that they've they've really just struggled they lost 4-1 to Peterborough they lost 4-1 to Gillingham and I mean we've played Gillingham so we know what Gillingham are like they're not they're not great but they just the way that Gillingham plays sometimes it does get teams Caught to catch teams out if they try and match them at their own game, um, and I and I feel that it's just so important we just stick to our own game because at the end of the day, I feel that we on paper we do have better players, and I so I feel that if we just play our game, play our system, don't get the worst thing for us, to, the worst thing that can happen is we turn this into a scrap, and that we're making petty fouls where they're making petty fouls. The game is stop start. Um, Almost like it was against Oxford and Blackpool, because both of them games turned into scraps and then we weren't games we were controlling. And I feel that especially when the team, if the team's playing four at the back, as we saw on Saturday, there's going to be space upon space down these wings. And in the middle, if Fraser's able to get in between the defence and the midfield, they're not going to know who to mark. And like on Saturday, he'll just pick up little half spaces and pockets of space and hopefully take advantage of them.
2: Yeah, it's funny. We're talking about Fraser. I've, I've literally just noticed that he's not only made the um, League One team of the week for the EFL to so the Who Scored the guys, but he's also made it for the Instat Football uh, Team of the Week as well. So um, I think it's very rare that we've had uh, a player make two Team of the Weeks in the same week. Uh, I'm not sure. The Second best that, player
4: in League One as well. Uh, well, in just general. Not, um, um, after Brendan Johnson in the Instat team of the week he was
2: the, the best performer
3: he's not too bad of a player is he yeah he's alright <laughs> yeah. yeah, scores the
2: occasional goal <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah I think you're right um, you know maybe I'm um, maybe I'm overestimating this maybe they are as bad as you know you you guys you know maybe suggesting they are um, I don't know I just feel it's a, it's an interesting game and it's going to rely on those wing backs in my opinion and we're going to need a I fit and firing, uh, Paul, Sorenoda and Harvey, I think, to get anything from this game. Well, one one thing this season, even if you just take away the, the games
4: that they've played 4-4-2, so they had a 4-0 win and a 5-0 win. So if you take those two games away from the 18 they've played this season, that means in 16 games this season, they've only actually scored 14 goals. That's not good. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know that is not good, and obviously they they have been without their, their striker Stephen Humphrey for the large part, who has who has made a difference. But you, I, I just feel that you know as long as we can, and, and and it's not as if they don't concede goals. So I just think you know, I know it sounds easy to say now, but we keep a clean sheet, we win. It's you know, it's it's, it's one of them ones.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. So. We've kind of covered both Swindon and Rochdale now. And what we haven't done is gotten to our predictions for the two games. Um, Ross, I'll let you kick us off. What are your predictions, uh, firstly, for Swindon?
3: Yeah, with the Swindon game, I think it's going to be a very tight game. And um, I feel like it's, it's, it's going to be uh, decided by one goal. And I just feel, as we've mentioned previous in the pod, I feel like once we get ahead, we'll stay ahead. And I I do feel like we will nick this one one nil, um only due to the fact um our record going ahead is just so good, um so I've gone with a one nil away victory in that one, and going into the Rochdale game, Rochdale failed to win their last seven home matches, and I, I feel like um this could be classed as like a away game for them as such, because of um they just they've struggled so much at home. I just feel like. Um, like Northampton earlier on in the season, they're there for the taking. And um, I've gone with a 2-1 Don's victory. So I've gone for back-to-back wins um, going into the new year.
2: That would be a lovely way to uh, to end and start the new year, Ross. Glasses. Um, like <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah, that would be lovely. Um, I'll go with my next, I suppose, my predictions. Um, so firstly, for the Swindon game, I do think we'll beat Swindon. Um, I've gone with 2-1. Um it's hard for me to back a clean sheet at the moment. Obviously, we are playing better defensively. Um, but there's always that one chance that we make a silly mistake and they put it the back in the next. That's how, that's how it seems to go at the moment. Um, but yeah, I do think we have enough to beat Swindon. Um so I've gone two one there. And Rochdale, I'm probably being a bit negative for saying a one-one draw. Um there's obviously could be a lot more goals in this game, as we've seen from what we've mentioned before. They they can score a lot and they can concede a lot. There's no in-between for Rochdale. Um, I'm just worried about what we're going to be looking like player-wise and fitness-wise um, heading into this one, especially after playing two games in a week just before that as well. Uh, it worries me a little bit. And, of course, is this game going to even go ahead? No one really knows. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of drama around this one, and I feel it could unfortunately impact the actual impact of the, uh, the outcome of the game. So I'm going to go 1-1. Um, Joe, why don't you round us off with your predictions for Swindon and Rochdale?
4: Yeah, I think Swindon game, I think both teams, like you, like we've said, both teams are going to try and play their own game. And I think, I, I really hope that is the case because if it is the case, then I can see us comfortably winning. Um, I see Swindon, I do see Swindon creating chances. And like you say, with... with Ohora probably out. You know, it didn't look great. We we don't know the extent of his injury, and um, we do hope it isn't isn't too long because he was really really probably probably our best defensive performer in the last four to six weeks. I'd say certainly. Um, um I, so I, I I think we will concede against Swindon, but I do think that we will also create chances, and we seem to just be getting in a bit of a flow attacking recently attacking wise. And so I'm going to go three one away at Swindon um Rochdale um we mentioned about you mentioned about Northampton that they are there for the taking however you raised a really good point about you know three games in a week and it's just I I feel it's going to be a really ugly game I feel that that Rochdale may try and turn it into a game we don't want it to be and I think I think it, it is you know it, we don't have many options, so it, I, I'd struggle to see how much we can actually rotate leading up to it. So I'm going nil nil. I don't think we'll lose, but I'd, I, if we win, it's you know it'll be phenomenal. Wow,
2: oh, nil nil. I tell you what, that'll be a turnout for the books because obviously they concede a lot, they score a lot. We can concede a lot and we can score a lot, so that's interesting. But I could
4: just see us controlling it, but just. It just being a bit of a damp square, but almost like the Northampton yeah. one. Just not a lot really happening, and just a game where you just both teams are just a bit
2: yeah on the on the day. Yeah, I think Rochdale would take a point out of that one for sure. i I'll
4: um, take I'd, if you'd get offered me seven points out of nine at the start of the week, I'd, I'd snatch your hand off.
2: Oh, oh yeah, definitely. From our perspective, I'd take seven points out of nine hundred percent. Obviously, getting nine out of nine, getting a full house would be lovely, um, but we'll take what we can get uh, at the moment especially with everything that's going on regarding the first team and of course the window about to come up there's going to be I feel like it's going to be a lot of movement and it's going to be a very interesting month for sure especially for us guys talking about it for the whole duration of it so thank you very much for listening to episode 23 of the mk1 podcast um a lot of information to cram in today um of course cancelling two matches of course isn't ideal but with uh, future episodes to record, um, you know, of course we're going to do a January transfer window one, and of course, as we will announce by now, we're going to do an episode with Liam Sweeting in the very near future, so head of a recruitment analysis at Milton Keynes Dons. So it's exciting! Uh, next F- next sort of episode in the series of the MK1 meets, um, and that will be very shortly. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and, yeah, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be excellent. As we as always say, feedback is always appreciated, regardless of whether it's positive or negative. We're always looking to intimate new stuff into the podcast. And, yeah, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you very much once again. And come on, you don't.